You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. This week on Daily Notes, we go back to 1992, talk about three films celebrating anniversaries. They might seem random, but they're all worth your time. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I drink your milkshake. If you only knew the power of the dark side. You have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. This is how I went. Shall we begin? Everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam. These are my daily notes where I have fun conversations about films. That's right. This week, we're talking about 1992. Going back 30 years, talking about a couple films here that I have never seen before in Basic Instinct and Death Becomes Her. Really excited to discuss my thoughts on those two films and also go back and revisit a timeless classic that I really do enjoy revisiting every year. My Cousin Vinny with Joe Pesci. Really loved that film a lot. These three films are completely random, to be honest with you. I was only planning on doing Basic Instinct and My Cousin Vinny. And in hindsight, having a thriller crime film with another kind of crime film, but in a comedic nature, uh, seemed fitting for me to pair them together. But then I watched this other movie that I was like, I got to talk about this Meryl Streep film from 92 because has Bruce Willis in it as well. And haven't really talked about anything from Bruce Willis considering he had just announced his retirement from acting. So I wanted to kind of honor him in that uh, way, talking about a comedic role that he was in, and it was actually a pretty good performance there in Death Becomes Her. So with that said, make sure you guys check the show notes to find out where these films are streaming so you guys can watch them. And let me know on Twitter at Adam Sideways or follow us on our main Twitter at Almost Sideways. Let us know what you guys thought about the three films on today's episode of Daily Notes. We'd love to hear your conversations over there. Make sure you give us a follow and a subscribe wherever you guys are listening to it as well. All right, so our first review will be our headline. That'll be our first time watch of the episode. Basic Instinct with Michael Douglas and Sharon Stone. So we got 31 stab wounds. What was it? Ice pick. I'd like to speak to Miss Catherine Tremell, please. Is she a suspect? She's a writer. She published a novel. It's about a retired rock and roll star who gets murdered by his girlfriend. You know how she does the boyfriend? With an ice pick. She intended the book to be her alibi. You didn't feel anything for him. You just had sex with him for your book. In the beginning, he gave me a lot of pleasure. You like playing games? Games are fun. What's your new book about? A detective. He falls for the wrong woman. What happens? She kills him. How's it feel to kill someone? You tell me. You're in over your head. She seduces people. She manipulates people. She's evil! Basic Instinct is a drama mystery thriller film that has a runtime of two hours and seven minutes, and it is rated R. It's directed by Paul Fairhoven, and it's written by Joe Esterhaus, and has a cast led by Michael Douglas as Detective Nick Curran, Sharon Stone as the mysterious Catherine Trammell, as well as George DeSanza, Jenna Triplehorn, Dennis Arndt, Wayne Knight, and Lainey Sarrell. Sorry if I mispronounced any of those names. And if you haven't seen Basic Instinct ever or has been a long time for you, the synopsis on IMDb says, A violent police detective investigates a brutal murder that might involve a manipulative and seductive novelist. Basic Instinct is another 
thriller film that I've been really impressed by. I think the 90s have a lot of these movies that kind of fly under the radar that we don't really talk about too much. Uh, Basic Instinct being one of them. I think Primal Fear is another film that I think doesn't get the recognition that it deserves right now. The Usual Suspect is another good kind of mystery thriller in the kind of the same kind of vein, really kind of leaves you guessing uh, what's going to happen at the end. Three really f- strong recommendations of uh, films you should watch uh, right now if you haven't already seen them. Uh, but Basic Instinct, I don't know why I've never seen the film leading up to this one, uh, this today's podcast, but I do know of the film. There's an iconic scene here I think everybody really knows. It's probably one of the most paused scenes in all of cinema history, or at least if it's not the, the biggest scene, it's probably one of those scenes. But it's the scene where uh, Saren Stone's character is being interrogated by the police force here for uh, just trying to give an eyewitness testimony type of thing. And she does her infamous like recrossing of her legs and come to find out, yeah, she's not wearing an underwear. Uh, so, of course, it's a really uh, paused scene here. Did you kill Mr. Boz, Miss Trammell? I'd have to be pretty stupid to write a book about killing and then kill somebody the way I described it in my book. I'd be announcing myself as the killer. Going into the movie, what was I expecting? I wasn't expecting an opening as kind of brutal as we got. It starts out with a scene where two lovers are intimate with one another, and one of them decide the, the female decides to tie up the this guy and then kills him with an ice pick. Really good way to start off any mystery thriller is having this big opening sequence with a kill. Definitely reminded me of my October horror-themed month because a lot of those films do have great opening kills. And I think that's what it really paid off. What I really enjoyed that Paul Verhoeven has done with this movie, and I've thought about this for the last couple days now, it it has never left me, is that the opening sequence leaves you thinking you know what's going to happen and completely there's a lot of twists and turns throughout the runtime. It leaves you thinking it's going to be one thing and then it twists and turns to another thing that also brings back around to what you previously thought, which may or may not be real. It's pretty fascinating. And I don't think, I think there's arguments to be made who the killer may or may not be in the film. I don't think any answer is necessarily wrong. I really enjoyed this thriller here. I think Sharon Stone is electric in this role as this writer who's super seductive and cunning and kind of plays that sexy vibe that she's really known for in this role here. It's fascinating to watch for the very first time because you can see her wheels turning every single time that she's on screen and seeing where she can kind of be like the puppet master, pull the strings here, do a little tug here, manipulate over here, but you're really captivated and intrigued by where the character is and how she functions that you're even left with what's real and what's not at the end of the runtime. Sharon Stone definitely deserves a lot of praise for this role and I can understand why they would be interested in doing a basic instinct too. Kind of leaves me interested to watch that film. I'm not expecting that one to be as on par as what how good this one was, mind you, but I think Sharon Stone did something really fascinating where I would be okay with an Oscar-nominated performance here because I thought the role performance was so good. I don't think I can see really anybody really pulling the strings as well as she did. Granted, there's probably actresses back in 92 or 91 when this film was being made that could probably do a really good job here, but I think Sharon Stone brings that kind of an icon to the performance here where... 
She was really seductive and cunning. And I can understand why Michael Douglas would be kind of involved and try to be, you know, kind of get manipulated into that role. She played it really well. Speaking of Michael Douglas here, it's another film where I've seen of him this year. I watched Wall Street earlier in the year uh, where he played Gordon Gecko. This is completely different. This is a character that I'm not, I, I liked Michael Douglas. I think he's really great, first off. But it's not a character you're supposed to really like, I feel, where there, he's very really flawed. He is definitely manipulated. He is intrigued by this character, so uh, Sharon Stone's character, so much where he kind of goes down a rabbit hole and he can't maybe get himself back out. And you're not, I'm not really, I don't really like his character, but the journey that he takes and things that happen to him along the way, very fascinating stuff there. Uh, it makes me want to go back and watch the game, the David Fincher film. I'm surprised I haven't actually discussed that film this year, considering I believe that one's also celebrating an anniversary. And that's another one that I would definitely want to, want to revisit. And uh, just really good kind of mystery movie there as well. Uh, but Michael Douglas, as this detective, Dick Curran, find it fascinating, all the different hierarchy in the police department in this movie. I think everybody's really fleshed out here. Every detective kind of has their own unique personality and voice. And there's some detectives in this movie that I rather I want to see them can interact more or have little big parts because that's one thing inevitably what I was kind of wondering and pondering is what happened to like Wayne Knight's character he pops in as this uh, he's his name is ADA John Correll he just pops in for this one sequence really and nothing really pops up anywhere else so really kind of wanted to see maybe more of him because I thought he did a really good job too but all the detectives the hierarchy in this police department is really cool I really like these kind of mystery thrillers that keeps your brain turning there. Another film, another mystery thriller I didn't even think about for a second was, was Seven. Kind of same kind of thing. The film feels grimy. Not as grimy as a Seven, but definitely feels like a detective uh, detective film that has a really grimy environment here, but also have this really sleek sexiness with the, when it ever interacts just with Sharon Stone here. There's also another character here, uh, Jenny Triplehorn, I thought does a really good job as Dr. Beth Gardner. And I think the complications with Dr. Beth here with Detective Nick, Michael Douglas' character, really kind of interesting the dynamics between the two characters that they are start off really well. But when you have this kind of, black, this I don't know, I don't want to say Black Widow, but this you have this, this party here, this third party with Catherine Trammell, Sharon Stone, come in and kind of up in the relationship, kind of, kind of turn the relationship on its head and kind of put her her seductiveness into there and michael douglas not being kind of flawed kind of throws everything out the window too and i really liked how you can explore some of uh, michael douglas's character's backstory here and long long short of it i really liked this movie a lot i'm at three and a half stars for basic instinct i really enjoyed it and i really want to want to watch it again i thought it was a fascinating thriller that just kept captivated me from start to finish, I think currently for 1992, I have it at my 10th favorite film of that year because uh, it's right b uh, behind Aladdin. I think that's nostalgia for Aladdin. It's just kind of always going to have be a little better. Uh, but Basic Instinct's a really great movie. I've only seen it one time. I'm kind of in love with the movie, um, and I wanted to see it again. So that's awesome for that. But let's jump into the budget here and talk about that. The It released in March March 20th, 1992, and the box office for the budget first off is $49 million. That was the estimate, and the gross worldwide made $352 million. 
about three almost 353 million dollars so it made a lot of cheddar at the box office there i can probably maybe sharon stone had something to do with that but it's just a really good captivating mystery thriller there so being rated our film getting that much money that's has to be pretty groundbreaking especially for 92 i'm not like a box office expert or anything like that but being rated our movies don't really get a whole lot because you want as many people in the seats and you can only people under 17 can't get in so interesting to see where that kind of falls for the rated r films but really a solid film here that you should check out going to the academy or the awards circuit here got nominated for two academy awards best film editing and best music great nominations here Again, I would have thought of an acting nomination would have came into play here for either Sharon Stone or Michael Douglas. I would be okay with either one of them getting nominations, but I can understand maybe this not getting as much love in the acting. Maybe the, the award circuit round in 92 was pretty packed, but glad to see it get some award love here. Uh, to the 2020 awards that came out in 2013, uh, Best Actress Sharon Stone for Felix. I'm not, I don't know why that's tied in, but... Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films for 92 or 93 is here, though. There's a bunch of nominations here. Best Horror Film nomination, a Best Actress for Sharon Stone, Best Director for Paul Verhoeven, Best Writing for Joe Esterasa, and Best Music by Jerry Goldsmith. So no Michael Douglas love, but we do get Sharon Stone. We get Paul Verhoeven. Really like to see that. There's other awards, film festival awards here as well. And, yeah, so something I... From what I'm seeing, Sharon Stone gets a lot of love there. So really cool to see some love from Basic Instinct. Really cool film. I'm really glad I watched it. I really kind of loved it. So it definitely had kicked a movie out of my top ten. It kicked, it kicked Wayne's World out of my top ten for 92. Congratulations, Paul Fairhoven's Basic Instinct. Really liked it a lot. All right. So our next film that we're talking about today is another film that's in my 1992 top ten favorite films our top 10 best movies of 1992 is it's called My Cousin Vinny, starring Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei. A funny thing happened to William and Stanley on their way to college. At what point did you shoot the clerk? They got framed for murder. Whoa! Wait a minute! Now, two kids from New York are in deep trouble. It's time to make your phone calls. The clan's here. They're in bread. They sleep with their sisters. In the deep south. Some of them do. And only one man can save them. You need to call an attorney, a great attorney. He's not your typical hero. We got an attorney in the family. Great, who? He's... My cousin Vinny. You sticking like a sore thumb around here. Oh, yeah, you blend. You graduated from law school six years ago. What have you been doing since? Studying for the bar. That's a lot of studying. What's this over here? You never heard of grits? Sure. I used to actually never seen a grit before. It's his first case. Now, did not tell you dress appropriately. You were serious about that? The way you handled that, Judge. Oh, you're a smooth talker. You are. It's their last chance. The two youths. Did you say youths? Yeah, two youths. What is a youth? But with Vinny's style, I wore this ridiculous thing for you. And Vinny's girlfriend. We agreed to get married as soon as you won your first case. My biological clock is ticking like this. And the way this case is going, I ain't never getting married. They're dead meat. May I have permission to treat Ms. Vito as a hostile witness? Do you think I'm hostile now? Wait till you see me tonight. Joe Pesci is my cousin Vinny. You two know each other? Yeah, she's my fiance. Well, that would certainly explain the hostility. 
My Cousin Vinny is a comedy crime film that has a two-hour runtime. It's another film that is rated R, directed by Jonathan Lynn, and is written by Dale Lawner. And this film is led by two amazing performances, one by Joe Pesci as a Vinny Gambini, and also in an Oscar-nominated-slash-winning performance, we have Marissa Tomei playing Mona Lisa Vito. We also see Ralph Macchio, Mitchell Whitefeld, Bruce McGill, uh, Fred Gein, and Lane Smith show up here as well. And there's a lot of other really cool performances in this movie. But if you haven't seen this movie in a long time, the synopsis on IMDb says, Two New Yorkers accused of murder in rural Alabama while on their way back to college call in the help of one of their cousins, a loudmouth lawyer with no trial experience. My Cousin Vinny has always been one of those movies that I can put on and just enjoy the heck out from start to finish. It's one of my, probably one of my favorite comedies from the 90s, and I'm not ashamed to ever say that, because it's just a great film. And I realized, watching it this time, that it is arguably one of my favorite comedies of all time. I, I found myself laughing quite a bit, quoting the movie a lot. I really love Joe Pesci in this. It's one of my favorite Joe Pesci performances. And a lot of people will think of Joe Pesci and think of Home Alone or or think of Goodfellas or Raging Bull or some of those iconic movies that he's done with Scorsese. But when I think of Pesci, I'm thinking of my cousin Vinny, this loudmouth lawyer who has no trial experience, who goes down to help two guys uh, try to get out of, for committing murder or what they think is uh, they committed murder. And seeing him in his suits saying the word youths and arguing with Fred Ginn's judge character. I absolutely love Joe Pesci in this role. So, Mr. Tipton, how could it take you five minutes to cook your grits when it takes the entire grit-eating world 20 minutes? I don't know. I'm a fast cook, I guess. I'm sorry. I was all the way over here. I couldn't hear you. Did you say you're a fast cook? That's it? Are we to believe that boiling water soaks into a grit faster in your kitchen than on any place on the face of the earth? I don't know. Well, perhaps the laws of physics cease to exist on your stove. And I remember watching this as a kid or a younger version of myself and just being really just engaged with the movie. And think it's a movie that I never would ever like, but something about the poster really was, kind of drew me always to this movie. We, my parents owned it growing up. The poster's super simple. It's just a you know courtroom with Joe Pesci in a black suit, Marcia Tomei looking uh, hot in her black outfit, and then you got Fred Gein up there kind of looking like, oh my goodness, these two uh, goobers here. This is one of those movies that kind of brings you in with a nice soft melody at the beginning of the movie and you get kind of invested into what's going on and you find out these two guys that you're seeing go grocery shopping at this gas station. They get pulled over for uh, murder and then seeing them call in Joe Pesci and his introduction in the movie and then seeing Marissa Tomei who just wants some good Chinese food and her performance here is uh, fascinating here. I, I it's awesome that she won. It's cool to see a new face get a, like an Oscar win here. A lot of controversy around if she actually won or not, but I believe she actually did. So it it, it makes it awesome. Another movie that we were reviewing that started Marissa Tomei, I, Todd and I did The Wrestler a while back and really loved just anything with Marissa Tomei. It's awesome. Uh, but her character here is 
cool. I like the um, the dynamics between Pesci and Marissa Tomei here, their kind of relationship, uh, and seeing them interact with one another is always fun. A lot of good quotable lines between the two characters. The car that made these two equal length tire marks had pause attraction. Can't make those marks without pause attraction, which was not available on the 64 Buick Skylark. And why not? What is pause attraction? It's a limited slip differential which distributes power equally to both the right and left tires. I think Ralph Macchio and Mitchell Whitefeld do a good job as these two guys who are trying to go to back to college but get pulled over and get in this weird murder uh, shenanigans here. They're fine in these roles. You're really not watching them for their performances, but it's really cool to see Ralph Macchio pop up here. Uh, he's known from Karate Kid fame and Cobra Kai now, but things I've never seen. So, I, Or I, I've seen Co Karate Kid, but I can't remember anything about the, that first film, so I got to rewatch that one. But cool to see Ralph Macchio here, but you're really watching this for Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei. Some awesome side characters here because this movie has so many great characters here. I think you have to talk about Fred Gein as this Judge Chamberlain Hollier. The interactions that him and Vinny Gambini have in the movie are classic, timeless scenes here. Impossible. The two Utes. Uh, uh, two what? Uh, what was that word? Uh, what word? Two what? What? Did you say Utes? Yeah, two Utes. What is a ute? Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths. He's so strict by the letter of the law that his deadpan humor and delivery of lines to Gambini and seeing Gambini's reactions and rebuttals to the lines there is just great. I absolutely love it. Elaine Smith as Jim Trollier third, or Jim Trotter third, who plays the other lawyer trying to put... Uh, Bill and Stan into prison for killing this clerk at this gas station. It's awesome. It's kind of a, a rival foe to Vinny Gambini here. He plays it, Lane Smith plays it so straight that he does deliver some lines of dialogue that are kind of funny. I do get some chuckles out of him, but he's he's the straight man in this 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 movie. And he's a really good job, kind of that smug attorney. He's like, I got you guys. I got you backed against the wall, and you're gonna slow him, see him slowly unravel. It's it's great uh, to see how you know Finnegan Gambini actually wins this case. Spoiler alert, I guess if you haven't seen a 30 year old movie. Also cool to see Bruce McGill as Sheriff Farley here. Uh, can't picture exactly what I've seen him from, but he has one of those like recognizable faces here, and he's he's nice. This he's cool as a sheriff. Another guy that I forgot to mention is James Rebhorn as George Wilbur, who's one of the, he gets brought in as. Um, a witness or expert witness for automobiles that plays a really big part in the third act of the movie. Really cool to see him. He's a recognizable face. Actually, he just was in Basic Instinct as well, so two for two in the same year. A movie that is super quotable, that is super enjoyable, great cast of characters that you just have to laugh at. Uh, there's a great gag that plays in where Joe Pesci gets woken up at random times in the night with if it's a train if it's hogs from across the street at the hog farm if it's uh, a you know if it's a whistle played at the factory it's just a great opening uh, gag that plays throughout the film that always keeps hit hits every note every single time i watch it so really cool nostalgic film that i definitely encourage you guys to go check out I do want to leave a link down in the show notes to a YouTube channel. It's an attorney who reacts to 
courtroom movies and stuff like that. And he did a reaction and he broke down some really fun sequences in My Cousin Vinny that you guys should definitely check a look at that video. Go support that YouTube channel there too. And yeah, go take a listen. It's rather funny. Anyway, going to our budget here. The budget of the movie, it did come out on March 13th, 1992. So did that just come out a week before Basic Instinct? That's kind of what a coincidence there. So the budget for the movie is $11 million, so a lot smaller than Basic Instinct, but the gross worldwide is also a lot smaller. So it only made $64 million, a little bit over that. So it definitely didn't have the financial success, but I think it has the long... I think people remember this movie fondly. I, mean, I think obviously had the, the Oscar win here, and we'll get into the awards right now, because it only had the nominated for one Oscar, I believe. Yep, just the one Oscar nomination for this film, and it actually won it for Marissa Tomei. We also have American Comedy Awards here. We got a winner for Joe Pesci as Funniest Actor in a Motion Picture, leading role. And we also have nominations for Funniest Supporting Actor in a Motion Picture for Fred Gein and Funniest Actress in a Motion Picture, leading role for Marissa Tomei. So they got, she got nominated there. We got some films, uh, circuits, and awards stuff here too for MTV, the Chicago Film um, Critics Awards, and American Circuit Community Awards too. They're giving this movie some love. It's not a whole lot of awards love here, but it got some here, and I, I, it's notably for that Marissa Tomei Oscar win. My Cousin Vinny is a hoot. I love this film a lot, and it actually is, I think it's actually sitting at my number eight film of 1992, right between my Last of the Mohicans and Aladdin. And yeah, I, I think it's a good spot for it. Uh, 1992 has a just really good list of films there. So, my cousin Vinny, let's go into our last review of the episode, and that is the Robert Zemeckis film, Death Becomes Her. Some people will go to any length to stay young forever. Is that someone? It's Madeline Ashton. Oh, she was a big star in the 60s. I thought she was dead. Oh, madam, you look younger every day. Thank you, Rose. But Madeline Ashton and her old friend, Helen Sharp. I've lost men to her before. Mad Are about to go too far. A touch of magic. Drink that potion and you'll never grow even one day older. Bottoms up. No warning. Now a warning? They think I'm dead. You are, but you're not. Are you telling me it doesn't hurt when I do this? It doesn't hurt. She's dead. She's dead, Ernest. Now he's dead. He's dead. Ernest is dead. Everybody's dead. You pushed me down the stairs. I'm so sweaty. I don't think it's sweat, honey. I think you're defrosting. Death Becomes Her is a comedy fa fantasy horror film directed by Robert Semeckis and is written by Martin Donovan, David Cope, and has an all-star cast led by Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis, and Goldie Hawn. Now, not the biggest Robert Semeckis fan, mind you, but I didn't want to watch this movie because I do enjoy Meryl Streep, and of course, Bruce Willis recently has retired from acting, so I wanted to talk about a movie or two from his filmography that we're celebrating anniversaries and kind of tie that in to the year as well to kind of honor um, his film legacy because he's not just this guy that he's known for which is just a big 
you know, action star like Die Hard. These big action movies that go straight to DVD now. And he had that cop-out movie with Kevin Smith. And I, I watched Last Boy Scout. This... Oh, daughter calls. I'll take a break. Hold on. All right, and I'm back. Uh, crisis averted. She got hungry, so I needed to give her a bottle. So anyway, we're back here. So anyway, long story short is I wanted to do something for uh, Bruce Willis. He's not just this action movie star. He also has the comedic side to him, and that's definitely apparent in Death Becomes Her. I'm not going to talk really long on this film. I want to kind of keep this review rather short. Didn't really know anything about this movie. My wife did say that she had watched with her mom a couple times way back in the day, and her mom rather liked it. So uh, it gave me some kind of hope there. Uh, if you haven't seen this film in a long time, again, it's a comedy fantasy horror film. And the synopsis on IMDb says, When a fading actress learns of a mortality treatment, she sees it as a way to outdo her longtime rival. So the film primarily is set up where Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn are big-time rivals, and there's a lot of fun interactions between the two actresses, legendary actresses here, and Bruce Willis is stuck in the middle of it. Uh, I rather liked seeing the interactions between Meryl and Goldie Hawn, especially near the end of the film, because that's where the comedic duo, mind you, I would never thought I would say Meryl Streep's a comedy star, but she does have some good comedy takes here. And seeing their two legendary statuses stars on full display near the end of the film, I love seeing their back and forth. They have really great chemistry with one another, and there's some really fun hijinks that does take place near the end of the film. And Bruce Willis, again, just a really great comedy star. I had a lot of fun watching all three of them interact with one another. I thought the jokes rather worked well. And being a Robert Zemeckis film, which I'm not a huge fan of his movies all the time, and there's some of those magical feels I did get near the end of it. I thought that it was kind of cool to see the immortality stuff play out on the screen and seeing that whole kind of realm and the era of the the Richie Hollywood stuff. And there was a good kind of a, a satire on, you know, celebrity and Hollywood played out as an undertone here in this film as well. Really kind of enjoyed here, and there are some really cool effects that do take place near the end of the movie that really just played really well, and it was super enjoyable. It was a lot of fun, and I was thinking about my rating for the movie, and I was thinking two and a half stars, but then I was like, but do I think the quality of the movie is, is was there anything I can just give it maybe a three stars? And Overall, I'm giving it three stars because I think that enjoyment level makes me want to go back and rewatch this movie again. I really kind of enjoyed it, and if I can find this movie from get maybe get the Shout Factory uh, Blu-ray from it, I I probably pick it up because it, I would be willing to watch this movie again. I thought it was really fun, just for the interactions between Meryl and Goldie Hawn there. I th thought those guys were great, and seeing a young Bruce Willis uh, hanging with those legendary actors was really cool it's quirky it's fun it there's some really cool laughs i had with it and there's some funny moments there and even my daughter came in on the back end and she was kind of laughing too and we were joking around by the funny little moments that meryl and goldie hahn have goldie hahn hits meryl streep in the face with a shovel and her head turns completely backwards facing the wrong way and meryl is owning it you can just they're loving they're having fun on screen and i, I absolutely loved it uh, the budget 
uh, the release date was July 31st, 1992. The box office was $55 million for the movie. It made almost $150 million at the box office. No, actually, it just passed $149 million, rather. So really cool there. Made a lot of money. And it won, won, it won an Oscar. Let's go take a look at there. Academy Award. It got nominated for one Oscar Best Visual Effects. And it won Deserving really liked those effects are really cool it also got nominated the baftas for best effect best effect of effects it won there as well so just a really fun time just overall just a really fun movie that you guys should definitely check out so really enjoyed it all right so that's my thoughts and takes on basic instinct my cousin Vinny, and death becomes are three random films that i really enjoyed this time around for the podcast so make sure you guys check out our website almostsideways.com to make sure you're up to date with all the information of stuff that's coming out things we have watched and reviewed for your latest movie recommendations and come back next week it's gonna be a really cool episode we are going to 1987 next week and we're going to talk about two first time watches fatal attraction and moonstruck and also doing a revisit of one of my favorite buddy cop comedies, Lethal Weapon, starring Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. So make sure you guys tune in for 1987's episode next week. Anyway, until next time, I will see you at the movies. Have a good one.